Well, good morning, Westover, and thank you for joining us, whether you're in the room or on an online community. We're honored that you're here. We're in a series entitled Built to Last. We're talking about the family and, in particular, marriage. A built to last family and marriage. Today, we're going to talk about having a strong foundation. Now, the wall behind me, we've been building this wall for a few weeks. The materials here are good. White pine set on 16-inch centers. This is quality material. But this material is only as good as the foundation. The foundation is so critical in a home. If you were to go look at model homes, Denise likes to go look at model homes, and, and perhaps you're thinking about buying and you go and talk to a builder. What if the builder said, you know, we have great cabinets, we have great tile, we have wonderful carpet selection, but one thing we will not guarantee or warranty is the foundation. You'll keep looking. You'll keep looking because you can't just put carpet over a cracked foundation. You can't hang curtains over a wall that's beginning to separate and crack. Now, you might have good materials here, the wall construction good, but you've got to have a good foundation. Let's look at the foundation of marriage today in America. 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Say, well, uh, uh, practice makes perfect. The second marriage is where I'm going to succeed. Do you know divorce rate among second marriages is 75%? Practice doesn't make perfect just for example if a home builder said you know 50 percent of all the homes we build the foundation crumbles and cracks underneath you but guess what we'll fix it but 75 percent of the ones we fix don't work either way you'd be reluctant about it we need to have a strong foundation in our marriage in order to have a built to last family and a built to last home and with that in mind do you know there are relationship specialists that tell us that there are indicators of a weak foundation in a marriage and a family. And I'm going to share with you five of them real quickly. And I, don't, don't say anything. I don't say, amen, that's me, or don't point to him, don't elbow. No, just, just kind of walk through, do a, do a mental check. And if you, have, if you have two or three anyway of these five, then it points to a faulty, it points to a troubled foundation in your marriage what are indications of a foundation problem in your marriage one indication would be you are no longer warm and affectionate towards your partner no longer warm and affectionate towards your partner number two intimacy has decreased or completely disappeared in the marriage intimacy has decreased or disappeared in the marriage Number three indication is you blame your partner for your unhappiness. That's her fault, his fault. Number four, you're happier when your spouse is not around. You're more relaxed when they're not around. Foundation trouble. And the fifth one, last one, contempt has crept into your conflicts. No longer is it just a disagreement. There's contempt. There's this, this profound bitterness and hatred that begins to show up and the conflict that you have in the home. If, if you're indicating that some of these are in your relationship, can I tell you, it's not a financial trouble. You don't need a new house. You don't need a new couch. You have a foundation problem. 
And I'm going to invite you today to look at the foundation of the marriage. Singles, if you're about to go into a marriage, you're praying about a marriage, maybe in a year or two or a couple years you're thinking about it, here's a great way to just establish how to build from the beginning a strong foundation in your marriage. And some of the couples today, God's going to help you to do some foundation repair. Somebody said, well, I, I thought marriages were made in heaven. So is lightning and thunder. But let me tell you what. Uh, there's some work you need to do here on earth. And in the book of Ephesians chapter number 5, all this information is in our Westover app, there's one verse in this chapter. Now this is the chapter in the New Testament when he's going to say, Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Parents, admonish your children and bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. He's going to give us some great family advice here. But there is one verse that speaks to, to many of us right here, and it's verse number 15. It says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Some of us, it's, it's not that you, you, you married the wrong person. You're in a marriage and doing it in an unwise fashion. Some of you think, I need a different spouse. No, you need to, you need to apply wisdom to the spouse and the marriage you have. Not everything is a right and wrong. Sometimes it's a wise and an unwise. And here Scripture is telling us you can be in a marriage God intended, but if you do it unwise, it's a, your foundation of your marriage in your home will crumble and come apart. The question begs, what, how, do you, how do you practice wisdom in a marriage? How do you strengthen the foundation of your marriage? Well, he's telling us to live as wise. Where is the one book in the Bible that gives us, that distills for us so much of God's wisdom? The book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. And in chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, I want to suggest to us in six verses, he gives us three key insights on how to strengthen the foundation of the marriage. There's lots of teaching elsewhere in Scripture, and we're going to be looking at this over the next few weeks. But this deals with the foundation of the marriage. This is that core being. If you found yourself in two or three of those five indications of a troubled foundation marriage, here is how you change that and strengthen that. It's found Proverbs chapter 9, 1 through 6. I'm going to read. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up her seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set up a table. She has sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest points of the city. Let all of the simple come to my house. Those who have no sin, she says, come, eat my food and drink my wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. And in that admonishment, how to live a wise, how to have a strong foundation in the marriage, we see three critical insights. Insight number one is found in verse number one. We have to have family commitment. Family commitment. Notice verse number one. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up seven pillars. She has set up seven pillars. We read that and we think that's kind of poetic language. 
We think that's just maybe a decoration in the house. What does it mean to set up seven pillars? Can I suggest to us the ancients understood it? If you were living in that day some 3,000 years ago, you would immediately understand what the Holy Spirit is teaching about building a strong foundation for your family, your marriage. Set up seven pillars. For you see, in ancients, when they would construct a building, there were typically pillars, and they were in denominations of two. Two, four, or six. They were in the corners. One, two, three, four. That would be the corner post. Or if it was a larger home, maybe six. But it says here, set up seven. Normally, you would construct an even But it says here, add an extra. Wisdom will set up seven pillars. What does that mean? Again, the ancients understood it, and God is teaching us concerning our marriages today. How they would build, they would build the walls up, and they would have pillars in the house, and the walls were sometimes made of wood or straw or sometimes even stone. But in the corners across were the pillars. Now down below on what we would call the first story, they would keep their animals and often their grain and supplies. Their animals didn't go out at night because there could be predators or a thief that would take them. So they would herd them in and the animals would live on the first story down below. The family actually lived on what you and I would call the second story. So the second story, the floor of the second story is the foundation of the house. And it would set up six pillars or four pillars. But wisdom here sets up seven pillars. Why? The ancients understood something because the family is above. And sometimes the material was weak or more family members came in and the family grew. And because of that, the weight and the stress on the second floor to secure it, to make it firm, to make it safe, to make it stable, they would go in and set up an additional pillar. Wisdom will build with seven pillars. There's an area in the home that they would strengthen the weak area. What is it teaching us? It's teaching us family commitment. Every one of us in our marriage, ask the Lord, ask God, And he will show you an opportunity where you can strengthen the foundation. And the Lord will help you strengthen it before it weakens and it falls. Many of us are trying to fix it after it's broken down. And God wants us to go in in an area and by the wisdom of the Lord strengthen that with an additional pillar in the area that could potentially be weak or need to be strengthened. There's... Time is is perhaps a pillar. Let let, let me talk about one. Fun. Fun. Is the home always duty and responsibility? Is the conversation between you and your husband always about taking care of the kids and doing that and going here and soccer and, and paying bills and work and responsibility and did you pick up and did you go and did you take care of? And sometimes in the marriage, we can be taking care of the kids and everyone else and not take care of the marriage. And a marriage needs fun. 
working 60 hours a week, busy all the time, coming home and giving the family the leftover of our energy and our time, and they feel depleted. That is an area you can strengthen the marriage. You need to spend some quality time. You need to have some fun in the marriage. There needs to be laughter in the home. Too much work and not enough play will make Jack a single man again. Okay? You need to have fun. When friendship leaves the marriage, it's not long before one of the spouses will be leaving the marriage too. Yes. When a marriage doesn't have fun, it, it experiences an intimacy drought. Something happens, good stuff begins to be lost in the marriage. So in order to strengthen the foundation, in order to strengthen the marriage, is there a seventh pillar? Where is it? Time? Priority? Where do you need to strengthen that marriage right now? Add that commitment. I determine I'm going to do this. I'm determined I'm going to make this a priority. I'm determined to not let this happen. Add more commitment in that weakened area. Number two, let's go on. Not only do you have to have family commitment, verse number two teaches us we need to be expressing appreciation expressing appreciation that strengthens the foundation of a marriage notice verse number two of proverbs chapter nine and she prepared her meat and mixed her wine she has also set her table we read that and we just think well they're just having supper together what's what's so important about that guys are saying yes i want more home-cooked meals no 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 you're missing the importance she has set her table what does that mean you see, in the ancient world, they didn't have tables. Oh, they would spread out a cloth and they would kneel down in this fashion to eat. They might have a pillow that they would sit on, but the food was placed out in this fashion and that's how the family, they, they, they didn't have dining rooms and kitchens and etc. They had these small living quarters and what they would do is they would just put out a cloth and this is how they, and this is where they ate. That same space might be a sleeping area in a little bit because of the, of the size of the home. But you would never ask a person of prestige and great importance and uh, of, of, of great value to come and kneel and just be in this position. If there was somebody of honor and great value, they would be entertained in a place where they would sit at a table. Sitting at a table speaks of honor. It speaks of importance. It speaks that we have a place designated for you and it's going to be the most comfortable and you are giving the seat of honor. You're giving a place of honor. Eating at a table was reserved for the wealthy and the important and the prestigious. And what does the scripture says? That wisdom, what does she do? She strengthens the foundation. Yes, she adds that other pillar, but she sets her table. What is that teaching us? It's teaching us to value our spouses. It's teaching us to value our family. Treat your spouse as if they're the most important and most valuable, most treasured thing. Treat them with honor. 
Treat them with respect. Some of us treat our pets better than we treat our spouses. Yes. You, 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 you talk so say, come here, sweetheart, sweetheart, come here. And you're talking to your dog or your cat. And then you growl at your spouse. Oh, my goodness. We need to honor. Somewhere in a marriage vow, you probably said, I do to this question. Well, you love, honor, and cherish. We skip over that. But the Bible is teaching us here, if you want to strengthen the foundation, you have to value them. Let me put it to you this way. Spoil your spouse and raise your kids. Spoil your spouse and raise your kids, not the other way around. Make your spouse feel like they're the most important, valued person. Learn their unique love language. Learn their love language. Find out what blesses them and makes them feel important. Fill up their love tank. Wisdom understands that. Wisdom understands how to minister (laughs) to them, how to bless them, and how to strengthen them. How God God has created and wired men and women. We typically, in the marriage, we bring forth what we want to get out of it. In other words... Uh, guys, we do for our spouse what we're wanting to get out of. But God's wired her different. And wives, you give into a marriage what you hope to get out of. And God's wired them different. We need to express appreciation in the love language of our spouse. For example, example, men need affection in order to give attention. The more affection a man receives the more attention to his wife he gives. But women are designed differently. The more attention they get, the more affectionate they are. You're saying there's no hope then. I'm at a deadlock. We're at an impasse. No. What is it teaching us? You need to express appreciation to your spouse what they need. And they will give to you what you need. Understanding their love language and expressing appreciation is learned. That's the good news. Some guys are saying, you know what? I wasn't raised that way. I'm a quiet guy. I'm not an outward. I just don't do that. I was never raised that way. That's all right. There was a time you didn't know how to drive, but you learned to. There was a time you didn't know how to spell, but you learned to. There was a time you didn't know how to use a fork and a spoon, but you learned to. There's a time you didn't know how to open a door, but you learned. It's learned. You, it's an activity that produces an attitude. And guys, sometimes we think the attitude has to precede the activity. No. You may not have been raised that way, and it may be uncomfortable for you at first. Start doing the activity. The attitude will come. Activity leads to attitude. And guys, for just a few moments, I want to help you. Ladies, this is a good time to just uh, take a moment and rest and so forth. I'm going to talk to the husbands for a moment. Guys, let me help you on this. When it comes to expressing appreciation, I'm going to use a sports metaphor. A sports metaphor. Your wife has a soccer mentality and you have a football mentality. Stay with me. In soccer, you battle down the field the ball crosses the goal, you get one point. 
But in football, you battle down the field. The ball crosses the goal. You get six points. She plays soccer. You play football. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Uh, let's say a Friday, you say, you know what? I think I'm going to take my wife out to eat dinner tonight. And you call her up and say, honey, don't cook. We're going to go out and eat dinner. I, by the way, I've made us reservations at this place. And she likes that place. On the way home at the corner of this and that, there's a person selling flowers and you buy a single rose. You bring it and you hand it to her. You get in the car. You drive to the restaurant. You open the door. They go in. You eat. You have a wonderful time. Have cheesecake and it's a wonderful time. You're driving home. You're playing nice music on the radio. You're coming home. And then all of a sudden on the way home, she says, ah, I forgot. What is that? Oh, Joey, he's got to have a sandwich pack for tomorrow and he loves peanut butter and jelly and we're out of peanut butter and we don't have it. And you say, don't worry about it. I'll take you home, then I'll go back to the store, I'll pick up the peanut butter, you could go ahead and get relaxed, and, and you can get comfortable, you drop her off, you go to the grocery store, you buy the peanut butter, you come back, you give it to her, she so appreciates that, and she has a sandwich ready to go. You got one point. <laughs> one, one point. Yes. The next day, the next day, when you pour yourself a cup of coffee, you pour her a cup of coffee and take to her, you get one point. They both get one point. And guys, this frustrates us. Because what do we do? We can go through several months of neglect and busy and just in our zone and we don't have time. And You don't need to understand, i got to take care of this. i got work breathing down my neck and we go through this. But you say, you know what, I'm going to catch up. I'm going to take two or three days. We're going to go down to the coast. We're going to get a condo. We're going to walk along the beach in the moonlit light. I'm going to take her to a restaurant. We want to stack up points. We want to get two or three touchdowns on that moment that's going to carry us for the next several months. No. <laughs> One point. One point. The expressing appreciation, you get one point for it. You don't get six points. So what's the intention? We do it ongoing daily. You set the table and say, come on, you're honored. You're honored. You say it and do it in many different ways in order to bring value in the home. Now, number three, how do you repair? How do you strengthen a foundation in a marriage. There's one more insight the Scripture gives us. That is communication and conflict resolution. Communication and conflict resolution. Did you notice from verse number 2 all the way down to verse number 6, it reads like this. And she cries out. In fact, she goes to the high place in the city, and she says, come here. And if he doesn't hear, she sends out a servant. If the communication is not going well, guess what? You continue to come. Come, come to feast at my table. There is something good here. There is communication. There is a beckoning. There's communication and conflict resolution. What is she saying? Well, you know, I, I made the meal. He wants it or she wants it. Just come. I'm here. Shout out. No, you're communicating all the way through this. Someone has said, when you marry when you marry a husband, when, when a, a young husband, he won't hear you. But by the time you've been married 50 years, he can't hear you. So, uh, <laughs> uh, ladies, you battle with that, yeah. Communication and conflict resolution. 
And one of the signs that communication is not occurring, and that is nagging. It's evident. No communication. No conflict resolution. And when you communicate in a marriage, it's not only what you say, it's how you say it. Some of us are saying, well, I'm saying this, and I'm saying this, and I'm... it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. It's the words you use. Uh, and in other words, you, you ask your spouse to do something, and they do it, and you punctuate with, well, finally, <laughs> what you said. Or if you're speaking in all caps, you know I'm talking about that. It's how you say it. For example, let me, let me illustrate this. I want the congregation, I want you to participate. I'm going to ask you to just say the word awe. Just, uh, just a moment, I'm going to say, and, and I'm going to point to you, just express the feeling, the emotion, awe. It's all I want you to say, okay? Just a moment. First time, first time. There is an eight-year-old little girl. She walks up to a, an ice cream place. And they give her two scoops of her favorite ice cream on top. And her eyes are just lit up and smiling. She takes two steps and the ice cream falls into the dirt. How do you say it? Yes. Okay. Second one. You got the worst sunburn you've ever got. Your shoulders are burned. You go to work Monday and a coworker, not knowing it, slaps you on the shoulder. You say, <laughs> right. Same thing said differently. It's not just what you say, it's how you say it. Let me bring it down to this point. We're going to have a prayer moment in just a second. In communication and conflict resolution, express how you feel, don't express your anger. Express how you feel. Don't express your anger. What do you mean? Focus on what is right, not who is right. And some of us were in the, the battle, the conflict, the mess, the, 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 the junk going on because we're focusing on who is right. Stop focusing on who is right and focus on what is right live as the wise and not the unwise learn how to communicate learn speak in such a way you're always inviting your spouse to the table if you please it's an invitation to come to the table the table of communication the table to resolve conflict, the table of relationship. Invite them to the table of relationship. Now there's something in verse 1 through 6 I need to just point out to you that I think this punctuates everything I've said today. Did you notice that all the way through the verses, wisdom is in the female gender? Did you notice that? Wisdom. She builds her house. She cries out loud. She prepares her meal. She says, come eat at my meal. She says, this is the feast that I've prepared for you. All the way through six verses, wisdom is always seen in the females. You see, Hebrew is like uh, the Spanish language. Words are in the masculine or feminine. In fact, verse number two in the Hebrew language, every word of verse number two is in the female gender. 
And what's, what's unique about this, now he's not just talking to women, he's talking to men and women. But what's unique about this is a woman would never be a builder. Wisdom, she has built her house. The w- women would not build. That, that was not protocol. That was not the decorum. That's not, how, that's, that's not how you followed it in that day. It was the man that was built. Remember the parable of Jesus says, and a wise man built his house upon the sand. A foolish man built his house upon the sand. The man is always the builder, but here intentionally the Holy Spirit changes it from male gender to female gender. And it's not that he's talking to women only. He's talking to men and women, and he's telling them how to strengthen the foundation of the home. So then why, why did the Holy Spirit intentionally change the gender? Huh? Why is it wisdom? She built her house. Here it is. Here's what God's saying all through this. If you want things to be different, you're going to have to do it differently. Something different has to be done. Are you willing to do marriage differently? Are are you in a deadlock? Are, are, Are you at an impasse in your marriage? Is there insults being hurled? Is there pain are, are, you, are you finding yourself in three, four of those characteristics of a marriage that has a faulty, crumbling foundation? How about doing things differently? Sir, maybe your wife's been talking about counseling. You said, I will never go. Is it time to do things differently? Is it time to quit in a blended home saying, your kids, my kids and it becomes our kids. How about doing it differently? How about not always saying, this is the way I was raised, and this is how, you know what? She's tired of trying to be mama. She will never fill the shoes of your mother. And God made her different, and you need to give her permission to be that different person. How about doing marriage differently? How about putting Christ at the center? How about following God's word? How about not living in a tug of war in a relationship? And here, by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, he jogs their thinking. If you're going to build and live by wisdom, you're going to have to do things differently. I think that's what he's teaching us. So at this moment, I want to lead this house in a moment of prayer. And I'm going to invite families all across this all across this auditorium and balcony and main floor to bow your heads and we're going to pray right now. Holy Spirit, I believe you're speaking very pointedly and very personally. And families brought in some pain and families brought in some hurts. Some have even said they're in the wrong marriage, they married the wrong person. And it's not that they've done the wrong thing, They're just doing it unwisely. And they have practiced unwise communication for so long, it just, it's become normalized. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to teach us, help us, to open our hearts and to repent of of what we've done wrong and the excuses and the blame and to start today willing to do it differently willing to start at this moment and give Jesus the center and let the Word of God be central 
and not opinion and, and not always live in the past. Holy Spirit, there are couples that need to do some foundation repair. I ask you, Lord, identify it. Help them. Some have, have just gone around the circle and the cycle of conflict. It's time to do things different. I pray they will learn and see, Lord, that you can be the counselor in that marriage. And they can have good communication and resolve conflict. They can express appreciation effectively. And you're calling everyone to a new level of family commitment. I pray that for them. I speak over their life and their marriage and their homes and their hearts. Your hand, your blessing, and your favor in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. At this moment, as we mentioned to you earlier, we want to take a moment and honor our graduates. We have high school graduates here in the auditorium, and if that is you, whether you're the balcony or the main floor, I'm going to invite our high school graduates to come forward. We have stairwells right here in the balcony and stairwells to the side. If you're a high school graduate, would you honor us by coming forward and standing here? We want to pray over you, but we also have something we would like to give you. High school graduates, please join me here at the front. And as a church body, we want to pray over you. Come on in. Just join me. Just come on in. Thank you very much. Yes. High school, thank you very much. We're placing in your hand God's Word, Scripture. We believe that Scripture is life-changing. This is the manual for life. And we're giving you the latest technology. They actually make these in print form now. No battery is required. You never have to recharge. This is fantastic. It's printed. It's God's Word. I'm going to ask Pastor Tito, our high school pastor, to come out. He's going to pray over you, but before he does, I want to read this from you. Psalm chapter 1 Verse number one and following. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sits in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the word of God, the law of God, and meditates on the law or the word of God day and night. That person is going to be like a tree that's planted by the streams of water which yield fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever they do will prosper. If you'll put God central, follow God's Word. What God says, what God teaches us in His Word, follow it. You're going to see your friends gather and gain, and then they're going to lose it. They're going to go up, and they're going to go down. They're going to go up, and then they're going to crash and burn. But they're going to notice something about you in your life as a sign, the blessing of God and the favor of God. 
and your steps will be ordered of God, and God's blessings will be upon you. I speak God's blessings upon you, that you might follow his word and live by it from this day forward. Pastor Tito, would you pray over our graduates? Just invite your Holy Spirit, God, into each one of their scenarios, in each one of their circumstances. God, as they, they step out, God, from their high schools, God, as they, many of them step out, God, from even their homes, God, that they've been nurtured and nourished in, and move into adulthood, God, some going to colleges and universities, some going straight into the workforce. God, I pray, God, that the foundation that they've been building, God, over the last 18 years, God, that it would be so strong. God, that their walk with you, God, their relationship with you would be so close, God. Yes, God, that when they go into secular universities, God, that may believe differently than they do. God, when they're surrounded by other students on college campuses, God, that have different, different goals and have different belief system and worldviews than they do. God, that they would stand firm for your kingdom, for righteousness, and they would live for you, God. That they would be light in dark places. God, that they would be filled with your Holy Spirit and with power. And that they would shake this world, God, with your gospel on the inside, Lord. In the name of Jesus, may they be world changers. Living lives of making new and making great every day until the day that they meet you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Congratulations, graduates. You may take your seat. God bless you. At this time, I'm going to invite our college, university, and graduate school graduates, if you would honor us by coming forward. You graduated from college, university, graduate school. Would you come forward, balcony and main floor as well? We have a a book to give you, and I'd invite you to come and stand here in the center. Please join me. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. For our college, university, and graduate school graduates, I'm, I'm giving you a book, and I, I know you don't want a book right now. <laughs> You're, you have said, if I don't see another book for another year or two, that would be all right with me, and I understand that. But uh, in a few months, a few weeks, few months, you're going to have some, some devotion time, some coffee time, some relaxing time. And I want this book to be in your hand. If you have a two or three hour flight coming up, it's a book you can read in a two or three hours. It's by Dick Eastman. It's the best book on prayer I've found. The hour that changed the world. One hour he talks about prayer and it'll change your world. Prayer for me used to be a battle. There was a time years ago, I always felt it was duty, and always felt like no matter how much I prayed, I wasn't doing it good enough or long enough or something. And it always felt like it was a time clock and a duty to do. Until I read that book, and Dick Eastman talks about prayer as a relationship. And at that point time, I began to understand what the Scripture meant. It says in pray all the time. 
pray without ceasing, with all things, with prayer and supplication, that prayer is an attitude and a relationship. And it changed my view of prayer and it deepened my prayer life. And that's what I pray for you. And you're going to, I hope, grow in your prayer life, that you're going to discover, as Dick Eastman will talk about in his book, there are times God will lead you in praying certain kind of prayers, supplications and request prayers and pouring your heart out. You'll find that there are seasons that you keep praying these certain kind of prayers over and over again, and that relates directly to what God is doing and revealing His will in your life in that season. And learning through prayer to hear and sense the voice of the Heavenly Father guiding you. Prayer is a relationship. And I wanted to put this book in your hand. I, I commend you. Some are parents and uh, you fed kids and took care of family. And some had jobs and still went to school and night school. There's tremendous sacrifice that you've made. And I pray the blessing of the Lord the goodness of God will be assigned to you because you said, God, I'm willing to do more and be more so you can use me even more. And God is going to answer that prayer and God's going to honor what you've done. I'm going to ask Pastor Michael, our young adults pastor, to come out and pray over you. But I want to tell you, we commend you and appreciate what you've done, please. Church, would you join me in praying for these up here? Father, thank you for allowing us yes, to be, uh, have this moment of honoring these gracious, in front of us. Lord. They've accomplished so much already. Have Lord, you may even be leading some of them to continue further on and go to the highest levels of their education and their fields. But God, today we celebrate what they've already accomplished. God, I pray that all the knowledge that they've gained, all the information that you've given them, Father, in these seasons of college and, and university, Lord, I pray it would, it would spin into wisdom. And God, that every door that they walk into would be a door that you've opened. And every door, God, that you want to close, that you would close it. But Lord, I pray that as they leave this place, that they would truly honor you by being obedient to what you have called them to do with this degree. God, I pray that everywhere that they go, every aspect of this world, all the, all the areas that this represents with these individuals in front of us, Father, it may be the education sector, it could be the, the, the medical sector, Father, I pray that everywhere that they go, that they would truly obey your word, that they truly would be an impact for the kingdom of God, light in dark places, Father. I pray for those who are in that first year of college graduation, God, that you would utilize them to realize that they are now the church, Father, that they would be activated in the place that they, that they need to be, God, in advancing the kingdom. I just pray a blessing over them. Lord, you have seen every ounce of sacrifice that they have had to put into this work. Now, God, I pray you truly would bless their efforts. Your word says to study, to show themselves approved. Father, they're approved in your eyes this morning, and I thank you for the efforts that they have put in to their education. Now, use them abundantly above what they may even think or ask in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 Congratulations, graduates. Congratulations. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday. May the goodness of the Lord Jesus go with you. God bless you. You're dismissed.